All right. Episode six after a three week hiatus, I think. Ah, all right. All um, right. You have any grounds you want to cover today? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, th- did I tell you first thing I got arrested in, or not arrested, but uh, kicked out of Canada? Did I tell you about that? <laughs> you, uh, yeah, that you couldn't get in. Yeah, and you were detained for a second. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, so tell me what happened. So you get up there and they pull you aside. Why? Yeah, I don't know. So, you know, every once in a while I saw a car have to go left to like the station and uh, and I was just going there for the night. And I don't know, I, I didn't have like a convincing enough story, I guess. I, just, I, didn't, I didn't see it being an issue at all. And so, uh, which I should have because of the way I look, you know, to be honest with you, I should have known. And uh, he's like, yeah, I need you to go to the left. And I'm not going to do the French accent because I was up near Montreal. But like, they go to the left and that began a fucking three hour, like, just uh, frustration. You know, they, they first they went through my car. Um, they found um, some, uh, you know, the, what they consider steroids that like were little pills of like testosterone booster that weren't illegal and uh, like you know we can arrest you for that. I said obviously I didn't or I wouldn't have left them right in the center console they're probably two years old you know <laughs> and, um, um, I said they're testosterone boosters I wasn't really hiding them as you can see um, but I hope you don't arrest me and then they you know they I think once they saw, heard I was military they, they were a little more lax um, or when they saw some like my ID and everything um, but still, they were fucking assholes, dude. They went through all my bags. They didn't pack my bags back. You know, I had skis in the back because we were going skiing. And, uh, and uh, yeah, just not cool. He's like, all right, we're all good. He's like, we just need to go inside and and, and get, you know, whatever he said. Um, won't take long. We'll go to the front of the line. So two hours later, sitting around, you know, a bunch of other, you know, non-English speaking people. I don't know what where they were from. Um you know, they probably got through, mind you. I get pulled into the back room, and and then I go into a, uh, they go into an interrogation, and you know, they're like, "Oh, you have quite the record," you know. And they pull, like, we we pull your file from the FBI. I said, I said, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and they start reading some things off, and I said, "Do you have on there?" What's your attitude uh, with them at this time, by the way? Nah, bro. Like I'm smart. You know what I mean? Like I know how to deal with these people. Like I need, you know, I, I was nice. I was like, I was a little bit of a dick to like the, the, the two guys that were searching my car. Cause I could tell they wouldn't put my stuff back, which I was getting anxiety over, but like <laughs> the people in the, in the, in the interrogation room, you know, I, I knew like, okay, yeah, I know how to act. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I also knew I didn't do anything wrong, you know? So I'm like, what is going on here? And then Oh, you have a DUI in 2004. I'm like, yeah, 20 years ago, literally, you know, and then uh, I have a battery on a police officer, which was was done when I was in the Marine Corps. And, and it wasn't even, you know, it was it was knocked down to because it wasn't really like I wasn't like fighting a cop, you know, and that got knocked down and was supposed to be dropped after two years. Um, and then, I, you know, I got drug charges and a couple other things and but nothing in the last, you know in a long time. And so I said, did it mention on there, my two deployments to Afghanistan, you know what I mean? Or any, any, is that possibly in that my long history, as you say, or, and uh, of course, no, you know, that's when I started getting a little bit, you know, chippy with them <laughs> yeah. because I could tell they weren't going to let me in, you know, they're like, well, you know, we, 
you could call your lawyer and get proof of that. I said, it's five o'clock on a Friday. Like, I don't even know if that lawyer is alive. It was 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, this is fucking ridiculous. And um, she wasn't being mean either. Like, it was her and then a guy standing against the door in case I got, you know. Yeah. And uh, and she's like, oh, here's the number so you can uh, you can reapply and, you know, for reinstatement to, to come into the country if you want to come again. I was thinking. I pushed it back at her. That's when I was like, I'm like, I, there is zero chance you'll ever see my face again. Like, you know, I wanted to say, fuck you and, and Canada, you know, and I never was a big fan of Canada anyway. And so now I have a reason. I, ha- I, the whole country. I had no, I had no reason. Now I have a reason. So I was like, thank you. You know? So needless to say, I had to turn around and, and it was literally a not nine hours, you know, like three and change up there or two and change up there. Then I got stuck in a snowstorm on the way back, which was like three. So it took almost four hours, two and a half hours in, in detainment. So it was, it was a shit show, but you know, it did kind of bring up some things of like, even someone who's like literally living like my life. Now I tried telling him, I said, look, I work in, in like, like my whole life is, is revolves around like helping people and like success and like, my life you know like like but you don't see that on the fbi file you know what i mean like that's bullshit you know and um you know i got a you know my best friend's in prison and it makes me think about him like you know luckily he has me and a couple other guys when he gets out that are gonna make sure he he lands on his feet you know because he's a solid dude and he just got caught up just like we all did but uh you know he's also a black dude so he's he's already you know kind of behind the eight ball when he gets out you know what i mean um and uh and he's just the most intelligent kid, but I'm like, fuck, dude, like, like someone like me who here I am years, years in recovery. And there's certain things that I can't even, uh, yeah. even still do, you know, and this kid's going to get out. They won't let you have a license when you get out. They won't, you know, he, he, he's a felon, obviously. Um, and it's still like the chips are stacked against you. And it's like, no, no wonder, like people go right back to it. You know what I mean? Like, unless they have a strong, strong base, you know, like a strong, um, like like mine and they, they've been really working on their recovery you know like my boy is he's he's really doing the deal in there um but those are the thoughts i had is like man you can't avoid this shit you know you can't run from your past you know there's no way it kind of begs the question too we, you can see the reasoning behind behind people that make decisions based on looking at people's past and who they are what the, the type of actions they take because we gotta like make judgment calls um for ourselves for safety reasons and all kinds of things, but to what extent or what degree do we're supposed to stop doing that? And, um, and, and especially when it comes to matters of the law and legal things like this, because are we just manufacturing recidivism? Are we just, is this just a factory to just for people to keep recycling through the system? Because in actuality, if you wanted to give, put all the elements in place for somebody to not have a fair chance that our system is the exact way to do it you know so like are we supposed to like what do you think the answer is that like here's something that's plaguing you that you haven't you didn't do anything you know at this point to to not go into canada i mean what is the basis yeah. you want? are they consider you in danger yeah i don't know I, I think they take duis very seriously even though it's 20 yeah. years ago i, I I really don't know. I, it, it blows my mind. I've been, I've been, I've been to other countries. You know what I mean. I've been to a, a lot of other countries since this whole started. You know, uh, Colombia, Bermuda, like oh, Europe, fucking 
never had a problem. And it's like Canada, the one, you know, right there, it, it was, <laughs> it blew my mind. But yeah. I think as far as what you're saying, like, you know, there's a, there's a woman who I'd love to have on here. And I don't know if she watched our podcast. She's, she's been on like all these news programs and she's really like knee deep in like working with prisons and, and, and people she did like 10 years. And, you know, she's, you know, a lot of these, these uh, organizations that are trying to keep people out of jail and, you know, make, make, like, make, you, you know, make it okay to do get high and make it all legalize everything. And she's actually very much against that because what happened to her in prison and how she was able to find um, a purpose and recovery and all these things. Um, and and in, her, her take on what? in prison, she found that. Yeah. 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 Like she's a big proponent for like, you know, if you need to be locked up, you need to be locked up, you know? Um, but I think, so what she does, but so on the other end of that is she's really working with the prison system to, you know, re, uh, I don't know why I can't think of the word, but, um, Amp it or you know, when you go to prison, you get re, you know, like, like rehabilitated to get rehabilitated. And okay. my buddy, for instance, Wendell, he, he's, he's in a, in a camp where they, they do help. They do have a lot of like recovery stuff and things like that. But I know that like he, he said he was, it was like, he got lucky. He won the lotto because if he had been at some of these other camps, you know, there's, there's none of that going on. So I think it's, it's a lot of times luck of the draw. And I don't know, I don't know the percentages of what is and what isn't. And, and I actually have talked to Ginny. Um, we, we talk a lot. I met her online and um, I basically just commented on one of her stories that she was in. And I think she'd be happy to come on here and she has a much better idea, you know, yeah. talking, talking about things we don't know is kind of, yeah. Yeah. doesn't really make sense. Well, I'd love to know what percentage, if she think that um, she went in there and actually her life changed for the better because of it. And for every one of those stories, I wonder how many of them are the opposite, not because the person wasn't capable or didn't have, you know, just as much of an aptitude for change, but because the system didn't support it you know, whatever system that they went into, whatever, you know, yeah. or whatever. I, I'm sure she's got, I'd love to hear the statistics on that. Cause I, I've seen my friends, I've seen both sides of it. I've seen people come in um, and come out better. And I've seen people come in, go out, go in and come out. And their experience was, was a perfect recipe for continuation of revisiting that place again, the prison again. So I'd love yeah. to perspective. I think, I think a big part of that is going to, is, whether you recover or not is whether you're ready. It's the same thing as like with me, like every time I went to treatment, I wasn't ready, you know, or I, whatever the case may be, I, I didn't get sober and I had every opportunity to. Yeah. Um, I mean, my boy and uh, I guess I could say it on here. I'm trying to be careful because he, he talks to me in code, you know, because, you know, he doesn't want to get, get, get caught ratting people out or anything, you know, but, but there's a lot of drugs where, where he's at, you know what I mean? And, and, and he has a choice to make. And I think, a lot of that has become from me and, and some of the guys um, that have got sober that, that grew up with us um, that are like I was talking about that are doing really big things and um, are, you know, we keep, keep reinforcing it in his mind. Like, yo, your time's coming, your time's coming. And I think he has that bit of hope that maybe a lot of those other dudes don't. So yeah. when they get to, they can, they can, you know, do a bump with some fentanyl or, you know, hit, hit the, uh, hit the meth pipe. They're quick to do that because, they don't, they don't have that hope, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that always is a big part of it. Like if you know, you're going to get out of prison and go right back to the hood or you're going to go right back to, you know, to your shitty circumstance yeah. where you're probably just going to try and do the same thing over and get caught again. Um, yeah. I mean, 
I don't know that I would do it either. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I kept getting high because I, I knew that I was just going to go back to it anyway. So why not do it? You know? Um, well, damn, look how hard it is for people to, to change in any way and any habit that they have that kind of makes them feel better immediately. Look how hard it is for people to change with all factors supporting them with family that supports right. them with, right. you know, with jobs, with income, with, with life taken care of in some regard and look how hard it is. So, I mean, if you don't have, yeah. that, you don't see that way out or you're just like, man, this is my fate and I don't really want to live it fully. It doesn't feel very good. I mean, you can see that. Yeah. Yeah. We need to, I need to, I need to speak to her. We were supposed to speak this week. I want to get her on because I, now it just brings up bigger questions for me, which is like more because I know you like talking about the mental health side of things. And it's like, what, how do they handle that? You know, like, is there someone that's actually regulating their meds and putting them on the right bipolar meds or the right, you know, anti-anxiety meds and all these things? I guarantee nine times out of 10, there's not. And there's I'm sure no, she'd have an answer sorry, for that. No way that's pro it's properly done. Even yeah. Daniel at his facility is a skilled nursing, which is not prison system. And I see how that is mismanaged and the effect that it has on the people there. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I question the the care you're getting and especially especially if you really do tie this all back to mental health or well-being or illness whatever word you want to use if you really do bring it all back to that i mean that's what we're trying to that's what we're trying to uh, treat yeah and and maybe no, I, and that's the thing with the prison system like you know we're trying in the same place that we're trying to put the we're putting the same people that need rehab as mental and mental health care as the same place, we're also trying to get um, people to be, to have like, to be punished and put them like as a place to like pay back for some sort of, you know, sin that they did legally or whatever that we feel better for. And then at the same time, we're also, I, I, we want them to come out and get better and be rehabbed, you know, back into the world. And it's like, I'm not sure that those facilities are all equipped to treat that same, all the different types of people they're in there for. And sometimes we also have this thing where it's like, what do we do with the people that we don't know, um, you know, to what extent they can get better? Like this person is just going to keep hurting people. What do we do? And should that person be in the same place as the person that clearly has had a tough go at it and has some, you know, some, some chemical imbalances that could just be balanced, you know, if, if balance would be high functioning in society, should those people be in the same place? I'm curious that I'm curious how the system works now with that. If they, if they have some sort of, you know, way to filter them into the appropriate places. Like your boy. Yeah. Not in that camp. Why? Because of just the location he's at or because the judge? No, I mean, How did that happen? I think, no, no, no. He'd been, because they, they move you around. If you're in the state, if you're in the state, the mm -hmm. state system, they'll move you around and it's, it's based on population, I think. And uh, mm -hmm. I think he just got lucky. This is a camp that's like for, um, uh, using in these wrong terms, but for people who who are getting out soon, you know, or who may be getting out soon, even though he has a couple of years, I guess there's a certain number that of guys that that are able that are there for a couple of years. Um, I got to go. I went and visited him because he hasn't had any visitors. I mean, yeah, I mean, his, his, I don't know. I don't want to get into his story because that's his story. But like, you know, he's been through it, man. This kid, I can't wait for him to get home, and and I'm sure he, you know, there's tons of people like him, but uh it, it's it's it sucks it really sucks and and I'm, I'm glad that he you know like this dude will tell you straight up like going to um 
um, going to jail, going to prison was, is to this day, the best thing that's ever happened to him. You know, he, he had no chance of even being alive um, at this point, you know, due to, you know, he was getting high and the fentanyl and he, you know, he was dying like me and his, his family, you know, his, his personal situation is, it was just dire from the beginning. So that says, um, something, that says something about that system he's in. If he's saying that, that's yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, so now here's an, here's an example of how the past certainly has paved a bit of your future. You're not going back to Canada. It ruined your Friday. By the way, did you guys go up and have a good time the next day uh, to North, to Northern uh, New York? Yeah. We went to Lake Placid was cool, man. Lake Placid, we had a great time. Um, you know, our friends came up that, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and we had, we had a great two days. It was, it was fun. We, um, Paula got on the skis. Um, right. yeah. For the first time, like ever, she had done it like one almost run like uh -huh. 25 years ago. So, um, she did great. Um, our friends, you know, we got to ski with them for two days. Uh, and it, it was a nice time and it was, it was cool. It was, How was uh, that? How was that with them? Cause I met you guys all together, right? In uh, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a with a lot of glasses clinking a lot, you know. We we definitely yeah, no. How's that without <clears throat> that? That was cool, man. I I've seen him a couple times, you know, because I saw him down in South Carolina. We had hung yeah. out since I've been sober and everything, and um, they had the little girl with them, who I don't think you you no, you haven't met her yet. Um, I had met her uh, when she was a couple months old down in in uh, Beaufort. But uh, so she was there. So it was very, and Kendall was there. So it was very low key. Alex oh. is still Alex. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I'm sure he'll he'll hop on this at some point just to to just Tell experience. Like, yeah, I know, man. He's gotta be one of my favorite people out there I've ever met. He's up. Yeah, there. yeah. But it was it was just like you would expect it. It was cool. It was chill. Alex is really cool with his baby. Jen's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, and for me, it was good, you know, seeing them too, because it's just more of the same, right? It's just more for me of like things I never thought I'd see, you know what I mean? Experiences yeah. I never thought I'd have. Like last time I saw Jen and, and, and um, Kevin was like, not Jen and Kevin, Jen and Alex, Alex was, yeah. um, was, um, I was like, I was so messed up in Buford. I remember I stopped by their house and it just it was such a bad situation like to, to see them with their baby and to be there with kendall and stuff was really cool nice um, nice that's cool are they in charleston now um yeah like just north charleston yep mm -hmm. so um, so i have some different different thing that i've been wanting to ask again <clears throat> so tell me take a hike if you don't want to answer um so do you remember when 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 are the chunks of time in life that you were pretty sober for the most sober outside of now um give me a time frame like since like okay. what year like so you start getting high at 18-ish right yeah probably so okay and then from there it got deeper and heavier until you're partying non-stop okay yeah. and then was there a block of time between now then sorry then and when you got sober four years ago that you were sober for a chunk of time? No. Military? No, I mean, look, so in the, um, I would say ever since high school, um, heavy drinking, like I said, I started using cocaine at 21. 
Um, yeah. Thought I would never do that because of my brother and everything like that. That whole that whole dynamic. Um, and uh, by you know twenty three, I was like completely hooked on the on the. This is like twenty three is two thousand five. You know two thousand four two thousand four. Okay. I was when the uh, opiate pandemic uh, epidemic was going on and the pill mills. So you're getting you know pills now they cost forty bucks or like eight dollars. Or if you had insurance, they were like twenty cents. You know what I mean? Um, and so I got hooked on the two thousand five. I was only probably three years into my opiate thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So by two thousand four, I was I was I was completely um, a slave to to opiates, to the mm -hmm. perks, um, and oxys and roxies and all those oxycotton and roxycodones and everything. Um, and, and that was by the time I was 24, 23, 24. Um, I joined the Marine Corps in 2006, the end of 2006. So up until 2006, um, I, you know, I, I became, you know, I would smoke crack and, uh, and just snort, snort pills. Um, how did you go from pills to crack, by the way? Um, I, I would say it was more of like, a, what is just a progression, you know, from Coke to crack, you oh, know, the pills, yeah. the pills. <laughs> yeah but you gotta you know you know me a little bit like i don't once i realized i was hooked on drugs and i was a drug addict like it was it was no longer you know an option to like half-ass it you know what i'm saying like granted i didn't start using needles till towards till, till after the marine corps you know what i mean it wasn't really around me to use needles yeah. um but what was it was never an option to stop or, or to slow down since, since I, I really became physically addicted to, to the, to the opiates. Um, but, like, but like, didn't you, when that first time you smoked crack, did you think to yourself, holy shit, I'm smoking crack? Cause it just has such a interesting connotation. The idea. Of I think the first time I smoked crack, I didn't know how to smoke it. And, uh, and, and I got, and I was annoyed that I couldn't get high off of it. And oh. I was wondering if I could snort it. Cause I didn't know how to like inhale correctly. Oh. Um, <laughs> But okay. I don't even, I think, I don't even remember the first time I, I, I smoked crack. I just, again, like, to me, I was always in this progressive thing where I would stay behind where my brother was. I think I've told you that before, you know, yeah, whether it yeah. be, you know, shooting heroin as opposed to, you know, snorting as opposed to shooting it and always kind of staying one one ring below him. Um, but, you know, I, 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 this one, this kid, Bobby, you can call him Bobby Bananas. He's, he's no longer with us. You know, he was one of the first people that, that, um, I smoked crack and actually felt it with. I can remember exactly where I was on the highway. And, uh, dude, it's the best fucking feeling. It, it is, it, there's no way to describe it. You know? Okay. I got two things for you then that it's two trigger, two thoughts just got, or trains of thought that just got triggered. One, the idea that you're always staying behind where your brother was, that was the idea. Did you have in your mind like, well, I'm not that bad because I haven't gone this far as far as he has kind of thing. Was that sort of like your crop? He was the crossing the line. If you got as far as he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, through, through as far as like, like I never wanted to sniff, never wanted to do cocaine because I thought that's what he was all strung out at. And as I got older, I realized he was doing hybrid drugs. He was using IVs, yeah. IV, you know, yeah. IV in the drugs and shit like that. So it was like always like I he was always worse than me. You know, I wasn't homeless. You know, I went to college or started going to college, and he was fifteen years older than me. You know what I mean? So he had plenty of time to like, you know, kind of like he had a big head start on me. You right. know, um, and I think that's but, what we do in general. I think we we're, we we 
I think the, some of this addiction stuff sneaks up on us. And a lot of us are kind of functioning with low level addictions because we're always comparing ourselves to the person who's worse and saying, well, I'm not that person. I don't drink at this time or I don't drink this much or I don't do it that often. And then therefore it's not a problem because that's what we set and we define as the problem, you know, or as a big enough of a problem, you know, where it's needs to be resolved. I think we probably do that. And like if your brother was your person, you know, we do it to the people, we pick people relative to us and compare ourselves to them. Do you think people do that and rationalize their addictions? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And, and But I think I don't, it gets to a point where like, it's hard for me to put myself in someone else's shoes. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can only put myself in my shoes really. And it's like, yeah, you'll do anything. You'll rationalize it. You know what I mean? You'll, you know, use all those different, you know, manipulation tactics to like fool yourself and fool other people, you know, on how serious it is. Well, it's the about defining it though, because if you like, it's that whole thing. Remember they started, there was a time in which alcoholism was, had a definition in my, in my mind of, like the guy in a movie who was stumbling at home, coming in and maybe yelling or hitting somebody or like couldn't make it to work or getting DUI. So that's what I thought of an alcoholism, alcoholic. So never in my mind, whenever I started drinking, because drinking was nothing and then it became something and then it became kind of everything, you know, but at some point at the end there and um, meaning everything is the way I dealt with everything. So their alcoholic never crossed my mind or addict never crossed my mind because that's what I, I was comparing it to some Hollywood rendition of it. And then when they started coming out, I remember there was something they did in the 2000s where they strictly defined it. It was like more than two drinks per, per like two times per week or something. And I was like, well, right. everyone I know is an alcoholic, you know? So how at this point, okay, we're all alcoholics. So then you're kind of trying to define it yourself. Now you're saying, well, that definition seems absurd, although probably clinically accurate you know is clinically accurate of, of, of an addictive behavior um but we're we're not all going to define ourselves as the alcoholic like the guy in the movie so what you know is there there's obviously spectrums of it or whatever so at some point you're kind of you're like you graduate into these deeper and deeper until you don't realize that you become pretty close to that thing that you were comparing yourself to 20 years ago that wasn't a, you know wasn't a problem and i think that's because we don't have strict like it, the definition probably needs to be back in there and remind people that if you're using it to cope and it's regular and any regular basis is probably an addictive, you know, it's probably an addiction on some level, I think would be a fair way. So that maybe allows everyone to say, okay, yeah, I'm not as bad as this person. I've got my shit together. I'm taking care of my stuff. Like I was able to do for so long because I was so, you know, a get shit done kind of person, but I, if I would have read, if I would have defined it earlier and said, I am addict, I have a problem and this is how I cope with life and it's hurting me and it's hurting my potential and it's hurting my body and it's hurting the people around me. Then I probably would have, I think I would have started cleaning myself up a little sooner. I mean, it's the principle behind the first step in AA or NA is honesty, right? And, and it's not honesty is like me being honest with you. It's about me being honest with myself. It's about me, you know, admitting that um, as the step says, I'm powerless over alcohol or drugs, and my life has become unmanageable. But really, it's just making that it's, it's that concession to myself that like I have, I am this. You know, whether you believe in whether you go into the, the doctor's opinion and the big book and all that shit, but it, it all starts with that honesty, which is like mm. that. Like I have a fucking problem, you know, and yeah, and it's why, it, it, and 
I don't know how we've talked about this before, but it's why I think people say they're so grateful for their bottom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm like, I am, I'm extremely, do I love that? I hurt so many people along my, my, my fall. No, I hate it. You know what I mean? Like it, it, I wish it would never happen. Mm. Um, now there's, how do I deal with that too? Right. Do I let that eat at me or do I, like we've talked about, do I use that to go harder, you know, help more people, you know, be more involved in, 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 in the world, you know, right. Um, right. be more involved with my kid, be more involved with my friends, be more, you know, that whole thing. And that's right. the way I've chose to. Um, but uh, I kind of lost my train of thought, but the, I lost my train of thought. It's okay that you, that um, the first step is actually about the honesty or that ah, yourself. Right. Yeah. And like, so that's what I'm saying. Like the, I have such gratitude for that's what I was saying for the bottom that I hit, not because of the wreckage that it caused, but because I'm alive, which I don't really think I should have been, you know, and, and, the, and, and I had no further down to go, right. not physically, not spiritually, not mentally, I was at a bottom. It was die or but, you know what I mean? It was get better or die. Mm -hmm. And it was like, give this a shot or, or, or it couldn't have got any worse. And I'm not talking about physical because I had had all the physical things before. It was a, it was a three, it was all the other physical, mentally and spiritually. And, um, and I'm grateful for that because it, I had nothing to do, but try and get better. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of these people like you're talking about as there's levels to this shit, as they yeah. say. Yeah. Well, because that's, that's the shame in it, though. That's the shame, the sadness, shame that it's sad. Because remember when you said it was a spiritual bottom that you hit? Because you'd already hit your physical bottoms. I mean, if you when you're when you die, it's probably probably physical rock right. bottom. Right? So, so, and you'd already been there a couple times. So you hit a spiritual rock bottom, and so that is a relative thing. And I, for you. It seems like, and we'll get into this probably next time or some other time when I can ask more questions on it, but it seems like this is like, because it's relative because it's whatever the person thinks their life can or should be compared to where it is. And you got so far, yours, I don't think you have maybe an idea of what life could feel like, how good it could feel, how good it could be. So you could go, go a lot farther down spiritually from that, that difference between where it could be and where it is because you didn't have a really, you know, clear definition of that. For some people, it's like, man, I know life can feel like this or feel like good. And this is just what I'm doing doesn't feel that good. It doesn't feel right. I feel like I'm weakening myself. I'm not handling life. I'm not feeling it fully. I'm not being my doing everything I can. So they get, they clean it up sooner because they're relatively, they hit their spiritual bottom. They hit their, because there's, they had a different definition, which I think comes to also helping people see, um, how good life can feel and be. Uh, hey, look, there's people, man, when they lose, if, when so, there's, yeah, for sure. Like there are people that like, they when they lose a relationship, they like, man, this drinking thing's got to stop and they stop. Right. 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 Now they, do they do, do they do like AA or, or you know, something to, to stay stopped? I, I don't know. You know, and some of them do, some of them don't. The ones that don't to me, I believe, just got caught up and they don't have what I consider to have. Right. Which is, again, I go under the, the, I believe I have a threefold disease that's talked about in the big book. It's why I relate to it. Um, and I don't think I could just stop. So people like me, we can't just have that bad relationship or, you know, lose a, 
then you have to be a husband or a wife, you know, lose a, a partner and, 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 and boom, you know what, it's enough to snap me out of it or lose a job or, you know, get in trouble at work. You know, sometimes people can snap right out of it. Yeah. And I think conversely, some people can go on, like you were saying, like they can be productive, they can be functional. And this is again, why I'm so glad that I couldn't do that. Yeah. Because my belief is that those people are missing a lot of life, man. Like, you know, and I'm not saying, and I would never say it to them because they're like, shut up, bro. You just, you know, you just, you just couldn't, you're just mad. You can't do what I can do, which is drink every night. You know, and it's like, I am so, and you could probably test this too. I'm so fucking grateful that I don't have to drink every night. Like, like if I had to drink every night, I would like, I don't need to. And that's the thing that people understand. Like early in recovery, like, yeah, it's hard, right? It's not hard anymore. Like I don't want to drink. And, right. and if I did, my first thought is, why do I want that? If I have these thoughts, where did, what did I miss, right? In my, in my whole, like, you know, my step process and my recovery, if I start feeling like, like that uneasiness again and that discomfort and like uh, restless, irritable and discontent, like I need to look at that because it's not that I want to drink. It's that something else is going on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's like, I, I get the question all the time and like, what do you think about people that smoke weed in their recovery? I'm like, I could give a fuck what they do. If you could smoke weed and be happy and be a member of society and like yep, all power to you, my opinion, why are you smoking weed? You know what I mean? And again, it's not a judgment. Like, I, dude, I'm a, you know, you know, like I'm very clear who the fuck, where I go. And I'm not saying that people can't drink. I was with Alex and them. They drink like, bro, Alex is doing great in life. Like, it seems to be working. Do it. Continue to do it. Like we got yeah. along great. There was no issue. Yeah. But like, even now we'd ask him or ask anyone else. Well, why? Why do you feel you have to do that? If you want to know, otherwise I'll keep my fucking mouth shut. But right. if you're gonna ask me, I believe that there could there's a, another level that you could get to where you don't have to do that. Right. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I, you said it perfectly. You did. Yeah. You know, I I operated from the outside from the outside world fine as a whole with with alcohol i mean i by all definitions i exceeded you know what a lot of people want to do in life on on so from that perspective but internally i knew what i was capable of and what i wasn't doing and the reason why i wasn't doing it is because i wasn't letting myself go through the pain the suffering that's necessary to figure out your issues so that you don't keep revisiting that same thing that causes you pain again. Right. I could, I never felt bad enough to fix it. Um, because you know, if you're socially awkward, for instance, and you have a drink every single time you go out, I, when are you going to figure out why you're socially awkward? What's that, what's that unrest that you, that's fear, that discontent that you have going out? What is it? Is it because I'm not connecting with people? Is it because I feel generally rejected? I feel like people are judging what the hell is going on until until I stopped drinking, going out, this is the first time that socializing has been fully satisfying to me also, which is wild because it's been a frightening thing. And that never would have happened unless I hit my spiritual bottom of, I can't drink anymore and do what I want to do in life. It's, they don't go hand in hand. They're the opposite. You can't, you can't be strong and have humility and, uh, and, you know, authenticity, you can't do those things while also making it so you can't feel the bad parts of that, you know, negative parts, the things that make you stronger. You can't do that. And that's, you know, that's what I get. Or, or, or you can and by, and, and all power to you. 
but but yeah. you're, you but what you're saying what i'm saying is you're missing something you know what i mean like it's not it can't be fully though how could you fully experiencing having the human experience while also limiting it though I, they, how, you, you yeah. well you can't you can't but unless it's the same thing as like unless you're willing to admit that and you're willing to see that then what the yeah. fuck is the point like i'm not going to keep beating my head to this fucking wall trying right. to tell you that there's a better experience for you if you're happy with your experience right you know you know yeah. what i mean yeah and for a while and it does feel good a lot of times you know but until you feel it until you realize that something else is out there um crack let's go back to crack so I speak for following a lot of. I, I love crack. <laughs> what the hell does it feel like? Can you? Can yeah, you, I can't. I, the drugs I've done. Like, nah. Mm -mm. Okay. Unless you buy V drugs, like shooting cocaine or crack is, is a, a whole other animal too. It's like it's like going to a like a, getting getting ready to go on a roller coaster and uh, so you know, I, God forbid we ever get big and people you know snip this and say it, but like it's the greatest feeling in the fucking world. And these people that say it's not, they they were doing the wrong thing. It is, it, it, it you, dude, it's it is a rush that you can't compare. And, and 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 knowing that and knowing how awesome it is to me is why I will never do it again. And it's why people are like, dude, don't say that. And it's like, motherfucker, that is exactly why I won't do it because I'm not in some sort of I'm not trying to play that game of like. Oh, it's not that great. Or like my best day, my worst day sober is better than my best day high or something like bullshit, dude. Like that shit makes you feel better than anything on this planet. But once I do it, I can't stop. That's always my second thing, right? It's the best feeling in the world. I would do it right now if I could do it once. The problem is I know for a fact that I can't do it once because not only do I love it, my mind loves it. And my body loves it. And the minute I put it in me, I am stuck in that fucking, that spiritual hell. And it's going to get bad real fast because I want more and I will not stop until I get, until I'm at the bottom, you know? And that's just my truth. But it all starts with, it's a fucking sick feeling, dude. It's so, a sick feeling. So let me ask you something. So you, you've done, you've done about planes, right? No? no, hell no. And I won't. No. I have no desire to. I was gonna. I was wondering if there's any like, are you an adrenaline per? Is it so? Does it feel like adrenaline? Some part of it in yeah. adrenaline. Okay. It it feels like, like every part of your body is just to the top, and it literally feel it right to the top. See, to me that sounds. Um, there has to be a component of tenseness or something to it. Don't you want to take something to sort of take that down a notch? You got to. Yeah. It. Then I shoot heroin. Then I would shoot heroin or sniff heroin. Right. You got to have land. They call it landing gear. You got to have landing gear. If you if, once you here's the thing: there's people that'll smoke crack and never have to do a downer because they never experienced it. You know what right. I mean? Once, once I got to a point, and I'm not speaking like I'm the only one. I this is I'll say us, the people that I rolled with, right yeah. in the streets and things. Yeah. We I I would not smoke crack or shoot cocaine unless I had a downer, unless I had some heroin to come down, and I would hold on to that heroin with everything I had as long as I could, because I knew I was going to keep smoking crack, keep smoking crack, you know, the fucking psychopath. And then I was going to need to come down at some point. So the goal was to do as much as I could until I couldn't do anymore and then come down. Okay. Okay. And if I had a lot of money and a lot of drugs, it was to do them both simultaneously, get that real high rush, then that real high, that euphoric feeling of the heroin. And then it was up and then it was down. It was up and it was down. If I didn't have a lot of down, it was up, 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 up. 
and then down when I had to. It sounds and it was it sounds it's the worst. It again back to the whole point. It is so amazing at first, and then but the minute that you feel that, you know it's over because that is it. And and the way I'm saying it is exactly how it goes up, 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 up. You know, it's like uh, it's like and it's like that for days on end. You know, I was the guy, yo, six, seven days. Don't even talk to me until we're six days into this thing. And I don't know where I am. I don't know if it's light or dark outside. Probably don't know who the fuck you are. And you're telling me we need to go to bed. And I'm like, fuck you. I, I get out. You know what I mean? I'm I'm a disaster. And that would be a disaster. Those, that would be in those trap house places that you're talking about? Wherever. It could be in a fucking behind a behind a, a motel because I can't afford to stay in the motel. You know, anywhere on the streets. More times than not, not inside a building because I didn't have any money for that. But you, well, not but, and you told me last time when you were out and we were down in um, Cali when you were here, you were saying something about something that it feels kind of like that feeling right before you feel anger, like that surge you get. And you said you kind of sure. like that feeling. And I, you said, you know, how it feels so good before anger. And I was like, no, what? I can't, I don't feel good before anger. So that's the feeling, like right before you get angry and you have that surge of something that's kind of what crack feels like no i mean no that i would say that feeling is right before you're about to get hit 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 a rock or you're about to hit hit a vein you know you get that anxiousness and stuff but what i'm saying is it's that release of those endorphins or you know all those different chemicals and that's the beginning of it it, it no it, it like literally it's and again i, I you know you know it, it, there's nothing to compare it to there's nothing. Maybe jumping out of a plane gives you a head rush. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, I was wondering if you like, because you know how you like more energy drinks. If you like, you like more, it's, you seem to like things that are on the upper side. You were not a big Xanax person. You were never a big pop person. I know you. Um, so do you actually, if you didn't have like a bunch of energy drinks, if you wouldn't work out as much, if you didn't do things that raise your energy level, would you say you have a lower level energy? Uh, now like sober mm -hmm. i mean i can go to sleep like that but i'm also up at 4 35 o'clock and i and i you know and i'm going till the end of the day yeah. but you can ask paula if i lay down i'll go to bed right away I, she'll hear me like my my sleep apnea kicks in immediately <laughs> you know so I, I don't i don't know i don't know if i'm a high, i am a high energy guy for sure um but i like yeah i love uppers but yeah. i always needed heroin i like without without Obviously, we're talking before, right? Like now, I love sitting in silence. I can sit in silence, but like the reason I needed heroin, I needed heroin. I loved the rush of of the uppers. I needed heroin because I needed to quiet this. I needed to stop the racing thoughts, the hyper vigilance that I had been accustomed to. I I had to come down, and I wasn't coming down on a beer or a Xanax because the euphoric feeling that comes along with the heroin. And then obviously then you get addicted to the, you know, to the actual physical addiction to it. Um, I, I had to have that. Um, that was a note. Again, I, you could put a bunch of crack in front of me. If I didn't have any dope, like that crack's going to stay until I cop some dope or I'm going to trade a little piece of crack for some, you know what I mean? I'm going to figure it out. And and that's, that's been the experience of everyone I know that's, that's gotten to the depths that, you know, that I've gone to. Um, All right. But the, the one thing that's for sure is, is no matter how good, it feels the second one doesn't feel as good. That's right. the other thing. Right. You're chasing that feeling and you're chasing that feeling and you're chasing that feeling. And the truth of the matter is the feeling you net, you won't get it again. You know what I mean? You're just chasing that feeling. And uh, 
What's heroin? To, what would you compare heroin's feeling to? Um, just a warm feeling, man. It makes your whole body warm, and yeah. it just and it just it just it just stops everything. It's almost like time stands still, and like all your worries go away. It's another reason that you know when I was, you're not gonna, you know, the 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 uppers, the crack, the meth, methamphetamine, because I was doing meth in Texas when I went out to Texas. They didn't have good crack, so it's like all methamphetamines, and you're trying to. You know, that, that didn't quiet the mind, obviously. That made it all it's just wild. You know, you're just wild. But, like, it it's always comes back to that dope, that that the quieting of the mind. Because inevitably, what I was searching for and what a lot of us are searching for is peace, right? Like, peace of mind. Like, that's like, – I got this tattoo way before I got sober, so it's giving me peace. Like, that's that's what I was searching for. That's what we're searching for. Now, Grant, and, and it's, it, it doesn't make any sense when we, like after how I just described the uppers and the, and the, and the, and the you know, the crack and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, man, it really is. It's, it's this inner condition that like, I can't fulfill. And so I'm doing everything I can to like be okay. And, you know, you get into this, like I said, the uppers and you're trying to just, you know, you kind of play God really is what they yeah, say, yeah. you know, definitely playing with your um, chemistry. Yeah. You know. So, so heroin, so heroin's like, it sounds like it's like an opiate just on steroids, just dial turned Yeah, down. yeah, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. look, if you didn't have a, you know, I would, I, you, if, when I was shooting dope, if they didn't have dope, I'd find a, you know, you could get a Roxy or, you know, like um, um, morphine pill, whatever will break down. I mean, it's going to give you the same pretty much high, you know, some of them have legs, which means they last longer. Some of them are more of like a, like a, the lauded have no legs. Right. And what we mean by that is like, you're going to get a good high, but you know, it's not going to last more, you know, you're going to start getting dopes quicker, you know? So, but the same type of high, you know, and then crack, crack and speed, the difference in that feeling would be what? Like speed is in math. Yeah. Um, I mean, smoking, smoking them are two totally different things. Shooting them is like a different, like kind of like euphoric feeling in the two. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is it yeah, is well, I, it is wild to think about the desire for peace in the, the these things that are that can only really lead to the opposite of it but i do wonder if at the very moment it is sort of like if your pendulum's one way you don't realize it maybe you actually were a lot were like low low level and things and you crave high level and so it was actually your most extreme opposite to way you feel when peace is sort of, if you think of peace as sort of a harmony or balance, then maybe you were so in certain ways low. Like it's hard, to, it's hard to like really like be excited about life and look forward and be, be into it and want to participate in it. If you don't actually have enough of those things in your mind to make you want to like the chemicals, your neurotransmitters. So in some weird way, you were actually supplementing your body with maybe what it was craving that you didn't have alternate ways or you didn't know of alternate ways to produce in your body or to level out. And so you, in a weird way, we're trying to achieve peace by just balancing out what you were missing. You know, didn't like, is it possible? Like you just feel like, so like, would you ever get depressed? Let's ask, let me ask you that. Have you ever felt depressed before? No, no, I'm not a depressed person. Mm. I'm not. a. De I, I mean, look, man, when you come down and, or when you're sitting in rehab or, whatever institution psych ward you know like yeah there's I mean, depression because you're first of all you're just completely depleted you know what i mean like of course um you, look you know something you said earlier maybe this ties in like bottom and i and i just thought about this like 
you know, you haven't reached a physical bottom if you're still alive, right? Right. And we used to say that, like, my sponsor used to tell me, like, hey, if we're still breathing, we ain't hit bottom yet, you know? Right. And I'm like, there's truth to that. But really, man, honestly, I don't think death would have been a bottom. Like, dude, death, ask any of us, man. Death, death is easy, <laughs> When you're, when you're that far, you know, when you're, when you're, when you've lost everything, when you're, when you're strung out on these drugs and maybe you hadn't even lost anything, but you feel like you did, you know what I mean? Like there's, again, you're spiritually dead inside. Like death isn't, man, like, like, and you can ask anybody, like this kind of something I want to talk about too, with like fentanyl now, right? Like fentanyl's everywhere. And you could tell us like fentanyl's going to kill us, right? Like, like fentanyl's deadly. So many people die from fentanyl and it's like, and then offer offer a dope fiend a bag of fentanyl. Like, you think they're gonna pass that up? Like, fuck right. no, dude. Right. You know when I when I got sober, we were just the fentanyl was just starting to kill everybody, and and uh and I knew it. And I'm and I'm I, I've shared this story before. Like, like I knew I bought three bags of the yellow bags. I, I can remember like it was yesterday. It's me, this girl, and this dude. And I bought three yellow bags. Gave him a bag. I got a bag. The girl got a bag. Yellow right? bag. What's yellow bag mean? So, so, so in Overtown, Miami, there's, there's bag, there's, you got like, obviously, I think they knocked these projects down, but you got like the one block where they got the green bags. Then you got money bags, which is the little, little dime bags with money signs on them, you know? So you got money bags, you got green bags, you got yellow bags, and then maybe like a, a black bag, whatever. Sometimes, you know, I, I don't remember the other colors, but like, you know who's selling dope on what corner, you know? Okay. And so, it, this kid, and I'm not going to get into de detail. He died, right? Of the three bags, he died. Yeah. I didn't die, obviously. There, like that, that, that time you guys used it together or he went off and used and died? He, he, he went, he used, we found him dead. Okay. We got it. We got a text message that he was dead. Okay. 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 Not the first time or the last time. Right. Who do you, what bag do you think everybody wants to go buy? The fucking yellow bags. That he died from? Of course, because we know that they got they got that they they got what they, they got real shit in them. But the, and he just he, go, he, he just did too much. Is that what this? The thought doesn't cross your mind. It doesn't matter, hmm. right? Because because the idea is like I'd rather die than feel the way I fucking feel, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like I've said before, I'll, I'd rather never see my daughter again, but I gotta fucking fix the way I feel. Right. Right. I can't handle this. It's like oxygen. The right. same thing applies. So when, you know, you could get a bag of dope from somebody and it's a bunch of fucking cut. And now I'm not hardly getting high. And that was my last $20. Gotcha. No, I want the yellow bags that killed homie. Right. right. Like I want those. Right. And, and so when you tell somebody, uh, one of us that, you know, fentanyl is killing everyone. Now this is, this is excluding like a guy who sniffed some Coke and it was fentanyl and he died. Like, yeah take that out of your mind like that's not what i'm talking about here i'm talking about like when you get real dope fiends that are addicted to opiates and heroin and fentanyl and you tell them fentanyl is going to kill you dude it doesn't matter we're rolling the dice every single time mm -hmm. like like the idea that these they want to lock up these drug addicts or these drug dealers um for pushing fentanyl like, I believe everybody, if you if you break the law, you got to be locked up. I'm not one of these people who says everything should be free. But what I'm saying is, we know what we're fucking buying. So when you, I, the last Everybody time, though, because I mean, like you were, you were a pro. By this time, you're in your 30s doing this shit. I mean, we've been doing it since 
for 10 no, years. No, but that's what I'm saying. The guy who sniffs Coke and they cut it with fentanyl, that that's that's I'm saying exclude uh, that. I'm saying the ones of us in the street that are that are addicted to fentanyl and opioids. Buy. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So there was a time, and so in 2017 in Overtown, there was a guy and he would you came up. I had twenty dollars. He's like, I'll give you two bags of fent. It was in white, it was white looking, white powder, or I'll give you one bag of dope for 20. Okay. What do you think I got? The two bags of white or the one bag? Right. It wasn't even a question. Yeah. Hmm. Why? Because I know that that fentanyl is going to work. Now, will it kill me? That wasn't part of the discussion. Right. And I'm not suicidal. But I'm not going to feel the way I feel anymore. And if I can get double that, even though back to the legs thing, fentanyl doesn't have the long legs, right? It's just very powerful. And if you live through it, then you're, you know, you're going to need more soon. But I got two bags now. And if I really want, I can go flip one of those bags for 20 bucks. So now I'm definitely getting the fentanyl. Right? Right. I mean, it guarantees to alleviate the one thing that you don't want to feel. That's all that matters, Jen. It, nothing else fucking matters. It's I can't feel the way I'm feeling anymore. And I will do anything to not feel this way. Give up my kid, give up my wife, give up my house, give up this, that, that they give up my fucking life. I'll roll those dice. I'll take that chance 10 out of 10 times. And I did. And six, seven times, what happened? I, that's when I would end up in the fucking emergency room. Never once did I die of a fentanyl, you know, did I, was I, you know, brought back to life by accident. You know, I think when people listen to this, they're going to think, God, I can't imagine not giving a shit if I'm going to take something that could kill me at that moment. But, and things are always very obvious when they're immediate, like we, we, they're, and they're immediate and um, big, like the consequence here is like, we're talking about fentanyl, we're talking about possibly dying the moment that you do it because you just want to alleviate the feeling that you have. But how many of us on a smaller scale do that in some capacity daily in our lives? How many of us say, I can't feel the way that I feel right now. I don't want to feel it, so, you know, whatever, subconsciously out and go and eliminate that feeling with one agent, one thing or another, one habit or another that is destructive and going to bring them to death closer or going to make their life or the life themselves or people around them worse. And we do that trade off all the time. To not feel the way that you you're absolutely right we're just talking about i'm the extreme i don't not me my people we are the extreme again i i don't want to sound like like i was like this worst drug i don't believe you know what i'm saying but like okay. that's it what you're saying is exactly true it, it's there's again levels to this shit but that person that is doing that knowing that it's not it's going to cause negative repercussions in their life whatever they may be is going through the same thing on a different level yeah. and, and and my experience is like Again, if I did, I don't even know what that would feel like, but I know that I wouldn't be nearly where I am today in my happiness and inside. I wouldn't have the relationship because I did. I maintained, right? When I was, we talked about, yeah. we didn't really get into it. When I was in the Marine Corps, I wasn't fucking getting high 24 seven, right? I was doing it whenever I could. When I would go home, when I, after work, we were banging shots. We were drinking fists of fucking uh, 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 black, what's that shit? Uh, Tony Walker. No, I wish like the shit on black. Uh, anyway, you know, drinking shit whiskey, just getting hammered every night. You know what I mean? Just trying to, and I was maintaining and Paul and, and I was married, but Paul and I's relationship when I was doing that is nothing compared 
what it is now with the clarity, you know, the fights, like, you know, just everything, everything is better now, but I would have never known it had I not hit those levels. Right. And that's why I'm so passionate about the, the idea that um, addiction, alcoholism, all the isms have, um, and any addiction that it's just what people feel like daily with the volume turned up really, really high. And so the point why I'm passionate about is because what works for you, what took you from that an unfathomable deep end, you know, that's I, that I think a lot of people don't feel like they can relate to, but here's where it matters is the anything that you did and are doing that keeps you from wanting to even go there and, and also allows you to experience peace of mind, joy that you have never been able to experience. If that works for you, then it works, can work for anything else that people are dipping into or habits that they have to avoid pain and seek pleasure every day of their life. And that's why it's so important to listen to. And I think what works for people that have had addictions, because basically what an addiction is, is saying, I can't, I don't want to feel what I'm feeling right now. And here's my particular thing that alleviates it for me. And it starts with not an addiction. It starts with just, I want to feel something different. And then it becomes what it is where you don't know how to feel anything else and you can't feel anything else but that. And that's all you want. And all that is, is just the turning up the volume of what we're all doing every day. And that's why it's so important, I think, to listen to stories like this and other people's stories and say, what worked for you? What personality traits do I have that are similar than you that I do in my daily life that are that are hurting me and making me not be able to experience life as good as it can be? And I want to learn from people like that because it allows me to apply it to my own life and know for a fact, like, I got similar anxieties as this person. This person had social anxiety. This person was was a alcoholic because they couldn't stand the idea of going to another party without, you know, sober and listening to people. Like, you know, I think that's why it's just important. I mean, it, it is. It's, it is. It doesn't matter. Again, it's not about the alcohol and the drugs. That's not. It's about that's your not, That's not. It's about your state. It's not what, yeah. And they say that, again, in, in, in my route to recovery, it. The alcohol and drugs is, is not is rarely mentioned comparatively to what's mentioned about like spiritually, you know, the physical things and and, and mainly a connection with, you know, a power. And, and I don't like to get into a power greater than yourself, which, you know, they call God a lot. And it's like, who the fuck is God? No one knows whatever you want it to be. But it's about it's about all about inner condition. It's about clearing the wreckage of your past. It's about letting you know clearing directions to be able to, to to experience the sunlight of the spirit if you want to call it that it doesn't matter but it 100 like look i mean i didn't get cured of alcohol and drug addiction i got cured of fucking all kinds of shit rage um yeah some depression but more of that like like hyper vigilance like the the va had me on all kinds of fucking dope man ssnris you know this for this you know nerves this I'm on nothing, you know what I mean? And I'm flourishing. So it's like, it's not just because I stopped drinking and drugging, because if you just stop drinking and drugging, what happens then? Most of, a lot of people can fucking kill themselves without doing any yeah. work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Alcohol is a cure for a long time. It's a cure to, to, for those things. So when you take the alcohol and the drugs, you know, then you got, there's, there's real work to be done. And it's the same work that has to be done with the person who didn't do the drugs and alcohol. Right. Exactly. It's the same. It's the same. Like you never, there was never a time in which I spoke to you at various times of our different um, paths and, and addictions and stuff that I would think to myself when you were be, like trying to help me, 
um, that I would think to myself, well, that doesn't apply to me because I was never as bad as you. I knew that what that same really that internal like turmoil or that lack of peace is the same thing that drove you. And it was the same thing that was driving me. I knew that that's where that was our common thing that we shared. That's what we all commonly share. And so I knew that whatever helped you, whatever it was, whatever words that you told yourself, whatever things you learned, whatever you came to awareness, I was always happy to receive because I knew that that's where we met was in the depth of like where your soul's at, where it was just not well. It was like, we're all soul sick and we're trying to cure it with something or another. And I knew that that was our commonality. And so it was always applicable to me, no matter if, if you were talking about what helped you get off of heroin, I knew what really helped you get off heroin was actually what kind of cured your soul. And so that's why yeah. it was relevant to me. Yeah. Because without, without a solution, I, I can't sit by myself and, and, and those voices come back, you know, and all, all the, all those, all these things that we just talked about start coming back and coming back. And if I don't have a solution to those, then what are, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's human nature. I'm going to go back to at least what works temporarily, Yeah, which would be, you know, a drink or this or that. And inevitably fucking making a choice between fentanyl and dying and fucking, you know, feeling like this, that's where it always ends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, well, you know, it's why, it's why, ahead, sorry. No, it's why too, like I'm a big proponent of abstinence for one reason, you know, there's a lot of harm reduction things going on with like yeah. these things like suboxone that I, you know, and, and yeah, I do have a personal experience with that where it didn't work for me. So I do, I am very passionate about it, but like, if it works for someone, it works for them. But like, my thing is like, if you need to be on suboxone or, or, or methadone or one of these things, I, you know, I think we're still, we're not getting to the real real solution right we're still giving you something a crutch and and it's been my experience that when things get tough like that crutch goes away and the drugs come right back i don't know a lot of people who have like gone 20 years like on a methadone taper you know i think those things are good temporarily um until we can get you to a space where you can start to like see the see the solution and 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 and, and, yeah. and, and uncover what's really going on yeah. and, and for me like you know, they just throw people on that shit now, you know, and they oh, just throw them on this fucking harm reduction. Oh, he's staying alive. Motherfucker. I don't want to be alive in a zombie. I've been that. That shit sucked. And it always led me back to drugs because you know why? When I was on all those psych meds, I wanted to feel something and I couldn't feel shit. And I fucking hated it. Yeah. That's like that, my, my thing was always having real racing thoughts. And I have an attention variant where I, I can attend to a lot of things at once and I'm constantly looking for solutions and piecing together and I could never quiet that. And then I always felt guilty because I wasn't doing something with my solutions. I'm like, I could do everything. And I, I just wanted to quiet down and slow down. I looked forward to the hangovers because it dialed everything down enough to where I could just, I don't know, have some mental peace. I, I didn't get headaches. I would just kind of have like, a, I guess what people call brain fog. But for me, it was peaceful because it wasn't, I didn't have all that yeah. agitation of like that. I don't know. And yeah, they fucking, try with different that's insanity. Yeah. And they try with different medications to quiet that, you know, um, or I would say they try, I tried. And then I didn't feel what I needed to feel, you know? So then it was just like, it's just another manipulative agent for me. And I yep. not seeing that people, by the way, some people we are, look, we are born with different mechanics and different, and those are manufacturing different set of chemicals. And you absolutely, some people need it. Oh, um, yeah. The question is, is if you haven't tried to... Yo, see, that's the thing, too. The feedback is always going to be, like, if this were heard by people that don't know us, 
is like, oh, some people are really mental. Dude, I'm not fucking talking about. We're not talking about those people, right. dude. We know. Like, I know them. I know. We're not talking about the people that are, like, seriously ha- almost handicapped. I don't know if that's even allowed to be said. No, like, I, I, but, no, right, I handicapped. Stuff. Yes. I, I do. Yo, my brain does not work right sometimes. I know. I know that there is chemically. I need help sometimes. I am not taken away from that. I you're the thing is just trying to you're trying to feel whole which is where the peace comes from and anything that's filling in that hole so that you can feel whole anything that's filling that in that is coming from outside of you is not sustainable and that's what you're trying to look at can i can i sustain this can i find it within and can i go on the other side of this hardness that i feel will i feel better and if the answer to that is pop is yes it's a pretty strong chance of yes and you're not doing those things to help make yourself feel better. It's like, I hear people say, you know, you know, I don't feel good. And I'm like, well, did you go outside? Have you had sunlight? Have you, have you eaten? Have you worked right. out moved your body? Have you, have you socialized and called anyone? It's like, if the answers to all of that are no, I'm like, well, I could, that's how you manufacture feeling like shit. I mean, that's a good way to feel like crap is to deprive yourself of everything that actually brings peace and joy and makes you feel alive and whole. And so if you're not doing those as a baseline and then you're going right to you know a chemical to start substituting for you to so you feel better that's kind of what we're talking about i think right yeah you're not giving yourself i mean you got to try you got to look you got you got to experience it you know what i mean like just to jump on another med like you don't know you know what i mean like plus around our age like you already know like if you had some sort of chemical deficiency or you know or or some sort of issue from birth or whatever the case may be. Like, you know, we're not talking about that. We're, you know, it's just, there is, we all deserve to like experience like that peace. And we all deserve to like be able to get to that point without any type of substance, because that's not really, that's more of like a, a synthetic fucking piece anyway. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not legit to me. And and if, if it is to you, that's fucking cool. Again, I don't, it's a thing too. Like, you know, and you hear bits and pieces of this. I don't give a fuck what someone does, dude. I do not. Like, it, I've never met one person, but if there's someone that can smoke crack on a Friday night and be good, man, that, hey, that's awesome. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to know how you do it because I know I can't. But like, if you want to do this, it doesn't fucking matter. But if you're continuing to feel this type of like, anxiety or like you said like if you're drinking all the time and you still have a great job and everything and you're still miserable well then maybe you want to look at that you know what i mean because like money ain't the fucking answer you know what i mean like what's up you know but to each his own you know (laughs) again like yeah there's no Sorry. Do whatever you want, bro. But I'm telling you, if you want the freedom, there's there it is there for you. You know what I mean? Like there's there's we can level, you know, you can get your levels, you know, to a to a spot where like, yeah, if you have to be on those meds, but you're not like playing with it. You know what I mean? You're not trying to take two, you know what I'm saying? Or and to feel a little better, you know? It's yeah, you're not that trying to never ends well. Bring yourself to elation or constant pleasure. Like that's you know, your manufacturing, like you said, it's like a, uh, an artificial joy. Yeah, I got to talk to my guys all the time. Like some of my, my buddies are, you know, that are, you know, maybe a few years behind me in the process. And and I'm, I'm constantly like, 
like trying to tell him like bro what you just described is fucking life you know what i mean like <laughs> like you like it's not because you're an alcoholic that you're going this is life you know what i mean like like the girl, if a girl, you know, like, oh, I got this issue with this chick. It's like, dude, that's just, that's life, you know? Like, we're not supposed to always be elated. That's what drugs do. You know what I mean? That's why we're on drugs. Like, like this is, just live life, you know? It's okay. Like, you don't have to be here because then you're going to be here. And then you're going to be, you know, trying to get back here. And then it's like, here we are again. Here we are. That's a, that's an excellent point. That's a big thing I think we don't do is accept that part of the human condition is the variation. And that if you were had this option, if you had, if if the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, this power, asked you if you'd like to come to earth and be in a body and experience it, or you or not. But if in order to come, you have to experience everything that a human being can feel. And you have to experience that full um, spectrum of it at least once. We would most of us would opt to to come and experience life because that's one of the reasons why we're afraid of death we don't we kind of in a weird way don't want it to end but we don't know why but we don't want it to end so we opt for life every day we opt into this life every single day and then we resent the 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 the, the fullness that we have to feel and it's like if you want to be part of life sometimes it's about just accepting that you're going to go through variation and how you feel and that's okay too you know, we can't, it's a lot of us, I think sometimes are chasing constant pleasure because we just don't want to feel anything but that. And, you know, that's pretty dangerous when you're doing that. Yeah. That's called drug addict and alcohol, alcoholic to me. Yeah. That's what that is. Right. It's trying, like constantly trying addiction. to change the way. And food yeah. Whatever. Right. Yeah, sure. sure. That, yeah. It's called addiction. It's called addiction. Yeah. You're trying to chase something that it's not sustainable. And that's when the consequences start coming, right? Like I can chase it, I can chase it. Now the consequences start coming and I continue to keep chasing it. Yeah. And then we're back to that. When do I stop? Some people stop earlier than others. They, they, they get, a, they get at the range. Some people yeah. are like me and they don't stop, you know, some yeah. people are like my brother and they fucking die chasing that shit. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, it is what it is, but you're absolutely right. I think maybe we'll pick up on this next time too. I was thinking, something to leave us for the future one is um, I've noticed some people, as you know, I ask a lot of questions. I've noticed a commonality and, and, um, and people that the, the more strict they are with their definition of what is required to feel happy, meaning like what their environment's gotta be like, what the conditions have to be and what is, you know, considered happy, the more strict you are, the less likely you are to feel it because life is filled with infinite variables and possibilities that things can happen. And the chances of everything going the way that you think or you think your requirements are for to feel happy are so slim, that means the chances are you're not gonna feel happy because your requirements not being met. And the people that have like more loose de definitions of what is considered necessary to feel good and what is considered feeling good, the looser those definitions are, they tend to be a, a lot more satisfied people or content, which is a very peaceful feeling. I mean, it makes sense. They say pat. They say expectations are pathways to resentment, right? Yeah. It's like if you have this expectation of what happiness is supposed to be, you're probably never gonna. That's why they tell me. They they tell you never. You know, you, you know, humans are always gonna let you down, right? You always have an expectation because they're never gonna live up to your expectations. Because we naturally, what if if they live up to that expectation, the expectation just keeps getting higher, you know. And I think you're absolutely right. I think the idea is to be okay, just being okay. 
Yeah. You know, that's yeah, yeah. that simple. Yeah. You know, can I can I sit by myself and be okay? Yeah. You know? Which, I know. Which by the way, some people hear that, including myself years ago. And and like as we're saying and it's impossible. It's like, no, I fucking can't. That's you know what I mean. I can't be okay being okay. I'm comfortable in chaos. I used to love that term. I've been to combat. I'm comfortable in chaos. And the truth is I was, right? Like the Marine Corps was chaos constantly. My life was chaos constantly. I became comfortable in that. Right. That and that may be why I chased the uppers too, right? Like that's I had peace in that because that's the only place I felt comfortable. I felt like normal. Yeah. You know, so when you give me a peaceful situation, like my daughter and, you know, sitting there with my like beautiful little family, well, now I feel completely out of place and there's no peace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then, and we got to end it, but then comes guilt and shame too. Right. Cause like, Oh my God, I fucking hate being with my kid or I hate doing like, so now I feel like a piece of shit because I can't, you know, sit here with my beautiful little daughter and my beautiful wife and my beautiful house. And like, I can't appreciate that. And now I, but I know enough to know that I should, but I can't. Now I'm a piece of shit. So now what do I do now? I'm going to go, you know, now I got to leave. And that's why I left the house because I couldn't live with that either. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it just felt, you, here you go. Yeah. I would try to drown that feeling. I felt like such a, I am capable of all this to my, I've been driven by wanting to help life since I was little. It's like been my force and I was failing at it because I couldn't get myself out of this cycle and I couldn't let myself feel all the bad stuff enough. So I was constantly just less than myself and I wasn't completing anything that I wanted to do. I wasn't helping as much as I could, no matter what it looked like I was doing. I was never doing as much as I knew I was capable of. And I felt like a failure all the time. I felt yeah. so much shame, so much guilt, so like a loser all the time. And people were like, well, you do this and do that. I'm like, yeah, but I can do all of this and I'm not doing any of it because I won't allow myself to feel pain or I won't allow myself to feel boredom. Like, first of all, look at all of us trying to avoid boredom all the time. Just get bored a little bit, allow yourself to experience a little boredom. Just, just see what that feels like and see what your brain does with that without trying to fill in that space. I mean, like we just try to avoid all that. And I would just avoid it basically everything uncomfortable. And I would take away the term boredom. That To me, that's really just being okay, being okay, doing right. nothing. I know, you know, it's like, like, I can't imagine. I always tell, I always say bored, boring people get bored. Like if you're getting bored, your, your mind is at a set where you're kind of like, you've got the elements of a boring person. It's time to shift that. You, there really is no reason to ever be bored. Like you got to either be okay with peace and being okay. Um, or, you know, you, you make your environment better. You do things that you're passionate about. You do things that are contributing to society or to yourself or to the family around you. You know, there's a reason to never be bored. I think. Yeah. My nine-year-old gets bored. You know what I mean? She's nine. Well, I know. My, I, well, what do you guys tell her when she gets bored? No, I'm saying like, like, but she's nine. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't yeah. know yet. You know I'm saying? Like, like really getting bored sounds so infantile. I get it. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah. I remember it's like so I was bored. like nine years old. It was like one of the only times I ever said this to my mom. I came downstairs on a Saturday and I was like, she goes, what are you doing today? I said, I don't know, I'm bored. And I, and I was like, what, what can we do? She goes, I'm not in charge of making you feel not bored. And I was like, wait, aren't you kind of in charge of making me not bored? She was like, no, you're in charge of you. If you feel bored, go work on, you know, go work on yourself. Yeah, or something. go do something. It's not, yeah. I believe it. Yeah. And then I'm and sometimes and sometimes the work do, working on yourself is sitting there and being okay, being okay. Sometimes the work is sitting the fuck down, but it's not boredom. It's actually work. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I was never bored again. I went up to my room. I got lost in my imagination, made something and went out. And I just think that's anyway, point is allowing yourself to feel that initial, what you call boredom is how you come out on the other side of being okay. Anyway, yeah. let's wrap it up. All right. All right. That's it. <laughs>